You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, company culture coach and founder of Liberty Mind. And I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations, thought leaders, and people about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. This season is sponsored by the Breathe Culture Pledge, a community of like-minded SMEs who are committed to building and maintaining a people-first culture. Whether you've got your company culture nailed or need a little guidance to improve it, joining the Breathe Culture Pledge gives you the recognition and resources you need to help your culture flourish. Plus, it's 100% free. Join over 700 SMEs and invest in your people today. Head over to breathehr.com forward slash culture pledge to find out more. Hello, and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. Today on the podcast, we're talking about something which is rarely touched upon in the world of business, let alone the realm of company culture, despite it impacting half the workforce. Before I reveal the topic of today's conversation, I want to ask you to stay tuned. Even if this topic doesn't impact you directly, it impacts your co-workers and even your family members. So would it hurt to stay curious and perhaps learn something that you could become an advocate for? Today, I will be speaking about menstruation and menopause in the workplace with Sophie Jane Hardy, the communications director of Red School, the founder of Your Cyclical Business and host of Red School's Menstruality Podcast. You may think that this topic isn't for the workplace, but businesses who fully harness our full humanness have started to adopt period policies in their company cultures. And this year, in 2022, Spain became the first European country to allow workers to take menstrual leave. In today's chat, Sophie and I will be discussing how menstruation and menopause impact women in the workplace but also how, as individuals, we can embrace this most natural and powerful cycle to improve our lives. I hope you embrace this conversation with an open heart, and if this resonates with you, please do share it with your friends or co-workers. So without any further delay, let's dive in. Hi Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. So do you want to give our audience a bit of an introduction to Red School and the work you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you Lizzie for having me on the podcast today. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, Red School. So if I look at it through a workplace lens especially, what we're trying to do is make it uh, safe and normal to be able to speak about, well, not only speak about your menstrual cycle and your menopause process at work, at home, in your public life, in your private life, but also to be able to follow your own flow of your cycle as it changes throughout the cycle month or your menopause process as that shifts and changes. And even, you know, in our books, Wild Power and the menopause but we've just released wise power it's all about finding the powers of your cyclical nature and of this great initiation of menopause so that you can bring 
those powers to your parenting, to your relationships, to your work life. And to really, um, I mean, the essence of it is to restore the cyclicity within us so that we match what's happening in the rest of the natural world, which is cycling and seasoning, you know, the day and night, the seasons, the year, the turning of the year. And, you know, put that back at the heart of this fake linear world that we've created as humans, where we think we have to be on all the time and everything has to be productive all the time. And we forget that fallow times are, are a necessary part of the whole creative process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I must say, I've been so excited to have you on the podcast, Sophie, because I was introduced to Wild Power myself. Um, I think it was last year at some point. And I couldn't believe how much it has massively changed my life and also my work life as well and how I run my business. So as a female founder, it is very easy to get caught up into the traps of things of how we should be doing things, being very masculine in our approach, um, that constant drive to to do things. Um, And actually, when I started to track my, my cycle and not only live by my cycle, but work by my cycle, I couldn't believe how freeing it was and how exciting it was for, for me because all of a sudden I had these, these like we say, these areas of the cycle where I could go, right, I know that this time, you know, I'm actually going to be my most creative. So this is great for planning in some sessions to work on, you know, future ideas. Um, but also to give me that permission slip of rest yes. as well, which is so difficult to get when you are in business um, or, or in a very fast paced kind of environment. I mean, we don't talk enough about kind of menstruation and menopause and I'm only just having conversations with friends because I keep recommending wild power to everyone (laughs) but it is one something that you know um we don't seem to talk enough about in the workplace and we're only really just coming to to talk about it in the workplace and in businesses in particular it's almost like some it's something they want to avoid um but there's so much data out there I mean according to the trades union congress women of menopausal age make up 11% of all people in employment um and 23% of all women in employment which is about 3.5 million women according to the research um so you know it's it's a huge area of people that are just kind of getting ignored in terms of their needs um you know even I think there was the new site Fast Company named menopause as the unspoken reason women leave so why do you feel more businesses aren't open to talking about this topic yeah so interesting and I spend a lot of time thinking and pondering this because it's so normal for me and it has been for the last decade of my life I've been lucky to work in two the last two organizations I've been, I've worked for have been menstrually positive cultures and menopause positive cultures so it's totally normal for me to like rock up at a meeting and say I'm on day 23 of my cycle you know I'm overwhelmed I'm I'm feeling grumpy like just bear with me for a moment and then we can all move on together <laughs> rather than me having to twist myself into a different shape so that I can show up in the way that, like, quote unquote, I'm supposed to be showing up. And actually, we can get more into this later, but that allows me to bring some of my inner autumn or premenstrual power to the meeting I might be at, you know, my 
discernment or a different kind of creativity or a different kind of truth telling that's necessary sometimes in all areas of business and work. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, it's um, so it's baffling to me as, you know, a menstrual nerd that we're not talking about it. But I can understand why. Because historically, there has been a tremendous amount of stigma around the menstrual cycle, um, somewhat driven by different um, religious beliefs, which have complex and nuanced purposes behind them, and that I'm not, I wouldn't criticise, but they have driven culture hugely. Then when you think about the amazing feminist revolution that we've had in this past hundred years, there was a really powerful and very important move to separate women, women and people who menstruate from their biology so that we could be creating more equality in the workplace and in all of public life. That was so key and so important. And I think it's gone so far now that people are afraid to speak about the menstrual cycle of menopause, especially in the workplace, because there's, a, there's still this taboo around it from these multiple different cultural uh, aspects, even though it's where we all come from, you know, and it's so natural and it's happening to all of us. You know, I was lucky recently to be co-hosting a training with my colleague here at Red School, Louise Ryder, for Facebook, and we were talking about the menstrual cycle in the workplace and the amount of energy that was released by just being able to say yes that's how I feel throughout my cycle and yes I do la, 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 and all the stories that came up and were bubbling and being shared and it's so exciting to feel what's possible when we just recognize that it's safe and okay well not recognize when we create cultures which make it safe to bring that part of ourselves to work we can bring all of ourselves then to work rather than showing up with just some facets of ourselves, which isn't great for creativity and productivity anyway. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that I've definitely started to try and communicate more with people that I work with as well and kind of sharing that in, you know, when it's when I've got a call booked, but then, oh, actually, it's kind of landed on the wrong day. And, you know, luckily, it's just like maybe a networking call, and I can be quite honest and open with them and kind of say, look, I'm kind of in this phase of my cycle. So this isn't going to be a great call for us if we go on this together. So is it okay if we kind of re replan this? Um, but opening those lines of communication, even as a woman, you know, there's, there's so much conditioning we have to kind of get over. Um, and talking about it in that way, you know, sharing it, whether it is on social media um, or talking about it with our, our colleagues or our co-workers, there's almost this internal kind of battle to begin with to kind of go, oh, is, is this appropriate? Even though it's totally natural. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. There's a brilliant book called About Bloody Time. And one of the authors is Jane Bennett, who's a real ally for us at Red School, Um the other author is someone called Karen, whose surname I can't remember right now, but it's a fantastic book. And they've studied the history of the stigma around menstruation and they've studied the cultural, sorry, the current cultural situation when it comes to young girls and people who menstruate starting their cycles. 
and then they've looked at how to end the stigma. So it's a really powerful book for anyone uh, in a management position or a leadership position or anyone really <laughs> anywhere to look at. Yeah. This is why we're in the place we're in and this is how we can work to change it. It's a brilliant book. And you're totally right. You know, there's naturally there is a, a stigma. You know, when I'm chatting with, say, my mum friends when we go to a play date, like, and I bring up my menstrual cycle, it's just like, oh, no, no, what, don't talk about that. And I can tell there's this, so I'm a bit of a, like, a rebellious, so I'll always try and tell everyone about my menstrual cycle. <laughs> my husband loves it at dinner parties. It's great. <laughs> um, but I think it can be helpful to remember that the tide is turning with this. Mm-hmm. So there were a few key moments in this last decade that really made me see that it is safer for us to talk about this now. So one was um, periods made the cover of Newsweek. I think that was in like 2015. The following year, Cosmopolitan named, I think it was 2016, as the year of the menstrual cycle or the year the menstrual cycle went public, something like that. 2019, there was a film about menstruation that won an Oscar. And you can see in the in the social media worlds that more and more people are talking about this. It's becoming more normal, and we can we can lean into that momentum that's mm. happening and and let that put some wind behind our sails. I think. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to be checking out that book, Sophie. Thank you so much for that recommendation, and it fits in so perfectly because this whole season of um, Make It Thrive was all about workplace liberation, <laughs> and I can't help but feel that we still have this way to go when it comes to women feeling like they can be liberated at work and freed from that paradigm of having to work in this particular way where we're ignoring our cycles and you know feeling this certain way and ignoring our bodies and our emotions as well because we tend to not like to talk about emotions at work either even though it's really vital for our creativity and to feel passionate about things and I always say you know it's funny how people want us to be really creative and passionate but then oh no leave your humanness at the door you know all the emotions and the feelings (laughs) you know we only want that part of your humanness we don't want the rest of it and that's kind of a bit unfair um and you know I think as well it, it is a topic that deeply fascinates me Um, And as a woman in business as well, and how, you know, I would love to know from your perspective, how has this fountain of knowledge supported you in your work and your life? Oh, such a great question and so big. As I hear you speaking, I was just thinking about a podcast episode I was listening to over the weekend with Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and Adam Grant. So all three of them. (laughs) Have you listened to it yet? I haven't. It's on my bookmarks to listen to. Yeah, so good. good. So good. And they were talking about exactly what you're speaking to, which is, you know, the only way that we can make progress on when it comes to profit and are people being happy. And even when it comes to the planet is everyone being able to feel safe, to be vulnerable and honest at work. You know, the data is in. It's not it's crazy that we're not all like running a bit faster to catch up. And I think one of the beautiful things about people being able to firstly be in touch with their cyclical nature and then be able to bring it into the workplace is it's a really powerful gateway for vulnerability. Mm. So inside the menstrual cycle, there's a natural ebb and flow where I'm sure our listeners might be interested to hear how it impacts you Lizzie I'm sure you've experienced this 
that as we come out of our bleed, out of menstruation, we start to feel our energy, physical energy rising usually, and kind of a sense of confidence and like, okay, I know who I am, I know what I'm about. And then that sort of builds and builds as we get towards ovulation, what we at Red School call our inner summer, where we, many people notice there's just more confidence, more capacity to network, to collaborate, great time to do um, podcasts. I'm in this phase of my cycle right now. I'm loving it. I feel so good in myself. Very pleasurable phase of the cycle for me. And then after ovulation, there's a kind of, um, it's like our inner leaves start to turn a little bit, heading towards inner autumn or the premenstruum. And the kind of ego building up that's happened in the first half of the cycle starts to break down a little bit. And this is now we're heading into the phase of the cycle, which really isn't welcome in any area of life, like in relationships, in the workplace, because it's the part of us that is more open and permeable to the world and to others starts to kick in and the inner critic and the outer critic can start to kick in too. So we start to become a bit more disruptive, um, a bit more troublesome. Often most of that energy is pointed in towards ourselves. So it becomes self-doubt, um, which I've been riddled with my whole cycle life. And it's why I've so appreciated this knowledge, but yeah, self-doubt, self-criticism, um, sometimes even depression and anxiety. But inside that breaking down of our ego is a really beautiful superpower, which is our power to, to be with our vulnerability, to be with our humanness, mm. to know that we're not perfect and to give up the idea of being perfect, which is such an obstacle in the workplace, isn't it? Yeah. And there's just so much yeah. stress and conflict. Yeah. And to be, to be open to others and be able to feel other people's feelings, to be able to even like some people even get a little bit psychic <laughs> this like time of the month where they can just, they know that they know something. They don't know why, but they know they know something. And that kind of knowing and openness and vulnerability really is a superpower in the workplace if it is recognized and honored as such. And if it isn't, it can actually feel quite, quite dangerous, I guess, in the workplace. Mm, yeah definitely it's interesting that you mentioned about that those feeling into those phases so much and it, I mean I definitely remember a moment because one of the very reasons why I kind of lent into um my cycle so much was I remember having a conversation with my coach and she was like you you're in such a masculine energy, Lizzie, like you're not honoring your, your female energy. So like you really need to like get back to, you know, honoring some of your feminine energy. Um, and my sister-in-law for, for ages, she'd, she'd read Wild, Wild Parents, like, oh, Lizzie, really like, just read this book. Trust me. She's like, I can't give you my copy, but just get it. And, and now I understand why you can't share your copy because the amount of notes and annotations that are in that book now, I mean, bless it. It is like my cyclical Bible, um, the amount of things that I keep going back to or referencing. Um, so you can't you can't share your copy, guys. If you do buy one, you know, <laughs> it does become yours for life. Um, and I remember reading this, reading it and just feeling such a release of, oh, my gosh, this kind of realization of how much I had been maybe sho shoveling it all down this kind of, you know, this this work 
And once I'd really liberated myself with it and really started listening to my body, I think that was something something that was most fascinating is I'd spent so much time in my head and actually finally I was in my body. I was actually home in my body. And, you know, as you say, sometimes some of those seasons aren't comfortable. I'm the same inner, you know, my inner autumn is definitely a, a, a time where I do hear that inner critic very, very loudly. And I remember it was a few months ago now, I was having a really off day, you know, a lot of limiting beliefs coming up, a lot of negative critic, they were absolutely rampant. And I remember putting it in a group chat with some friends and they were like, are you sure it isn't your cycle? I was like, no, I was like adamant that it wasn't. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) No, it is, it is. (laughs) But recognizing that was such, again, another part of liberation because then it made me less judgmental of myself. And made me really go, oh, okay, that's that that's just what's happening. It's, you know, I can listen, but I don't need to take it on. I don't need to take on the baggage that it's kind of bringing with it. I can just sit and listen to it. I don't need to get so attached to it. Um, so it's just been so fascinating on, on not only a personal development level, but then intertwining that with how I run my business. I just feel like it's, personally liberated me so much from from things so yeah I'm, I'm very grateful for the work that you guys share how how was it for you when you first started tracking your cycle so how long how many months of cycle tracking did it take you for you to start to see patterns and for you to get insights I would say it probably took me three to four months I would say right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think, and I'm still tracking certain things. So I think that's the hard thing, isn't it? When someone says to you, track your cycle, there's so many things to, to track. Yes. And it's like, okay, I don't know what to track. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, I think to begin with, it was very much just leaning into whatever came up. I was just, I journal a lot anyway. So I just kind of maybe put a sentence or a paragraph or two about where, how I particularly felt. Yeah. There were certain key indicators for me, though, which I didn't realise would be so blindingly bright in terms of how they would make me feel. Um, So I'll be totally honest. I think um, my sexual arousal was something that I didn't realise how much off the scale that would go. And that all of a sudden for me, I was saying to a friend, was like someone had turned the dial up on my senses and it was like, boom, like that I couldn't get over how dramatic that that change was for me yes I actually put my what we call the crossover days in my calendar because I'm trying with my hubby to organize our life around my cycle which you know we're several years into this and it's a work in progress so what I put is I put day 7 day 14 day 21 and day 28 in our shared calendar so we can try and plan in some menstrual rest for me which is really hard in the middle of a renovation and parenting a toddler and a labrador it's like oh my god but I'm managing it somehow and I just noticed when he's he sees like okay day seven and, and like he definitely comes to me more because he's clocked now so he's going to be more interested in this for the next couple of weeks <laughs> oh my gosh but I think but again I think it gives us that, that other language to have these conversations yes. and even you know with with my sister-in-law with friends who've read it I feel such a deep connection with where they're at and I I 
I feel so much more empathy when they say to me, oh, I'm in this place. And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, totally. You know, what do you need? Um, so I feel like it gives us this another another language to, to help each other and look after each other. I, yeah, totally. I definitely sense that. Empathy is really the word, isn't it? Because once we've turned our um, awareness up on our own cyclical process, then we can automatically know more about perhaps where someone's at. I think it's always really important to remember, Alexandra Shiny call it the big red rule, which is, you know, there's an archetypal rhythm to the inner seasons of the menstrual cycle, but they don't, they show up in so many different ways with so many different flavors for people, but there are general rhythms and pulses. And I remember in at Tree Sisters, which was the charity that I worked at before I launched my own business and then started working for Red School. And we were quite small when I joined, it was a team of four, a reforestation nonprofit which was trying to marry women's empowerment and crowdfunding tropical reforestation. Brilliant organisation. And our um, chief of operations at the time, Edvige Fairchild, said, let's put our menstrual cycles at the heart of our business. If we really want to run the business from feminine values, as you were talking about earlier. Sometimes the words feminine and masculine spin my head out a bit because they can accidentally get so aligned with gender and they're not necessarily aligned with gender so I think you have to be careful with that but in general this kind of sense of feminine feminine values let's put our menstrual cycles at the center and we did and we all started our you know we started our meetings with cycle check-ins we would plan our campaigns and launches around our menstrual cycles as much as possible it's tough to do that when cycles aren't regular but if your cycles are regular it it can be can be done and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember Edview saying to me, so I think we might need to give your like inner autumn premenstrual woman a nickname <laughs> because there were certain days. Day 23 has always been a hot spot in my cycle. It's changed over the years. You know, this was eight years ago, maybe that I was working there. And it's changed that now I have a much more um, friendly relationship with my inner critic and I can catch it and I can turn it into creativity rather than turning it in on myself. Sometimes, not all the time. But I, was, I would show up at team meetings with a lot of fire with, uh, in a controlling way. I was bringing kind of a perfectionism, a like, desire to control, a um, just too heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. But because we had this language of cycle awareness, Edwige could say, look, there's something showing, there's a pattern showing up here, there's a dynamic showing up. Let's just call her Grumpy Gertrude, right? And I was like, that is so her name. She is so grumpy and she totally is called Gertrude. And it gave us this shorthand, funny shorthand for me to check, you know, to check in with myself, not in a shaming way, but to check in and go, okay, like, yes, you're leading this campaign, but you need to let other people speak. And, you know, we can't control everything. And it was really you know, a friendly and warm way that we could creatively work with it. I mean, imagine if that was happening across the board. And I'm not menopausal yet. I get to hang out with so many amazing menopausal people through Red School. And what I hear is that kind of critical, um, disruptive premenstrual energy can be very big in perimenopause and the menopausal years. And it isn't being seen as a power, it's being seen as a problem. And imagine Mm. if we could flip that. 
imagine the wow. imagine the creative responses we could we could bring to all of the world's challenges if we could see yeah. it in that way instead yeah and there's kind of two angles here isn't there really because there's the there's the inner self-awareness piece that I think is really critical as well to be aware of what your cycle is and and how you show up in those different phases and then there's the external of okay how can we facilitate these kind of conversations and this kind of culture within our company as well so it's almost like there's a there's two angles where it needs to really come from is is not only that personal growth self-awareness but then okay how do we make more of this you know part of our our culture part of how we operate as an organization rather than kind of continually kind of sweeping it under the rug and just pretending it doesn't exist yes yes absolutely there's it's a growing body of work that we're creating at red school which is being led by louise Ryder, who i mentioned earlier Um, we want to develop a whole branch of the company which is guiding training leading trainings for people who want to put the menstrual cycle and menopause at the center and I think it that's a really important starting place because then, like we did at Facebook, it was great to, you know, they had on their roster menstrual cycle awareness in the workplace as, as a lunchtime learning session or whatever it was called. And that just even putting it there, putting it on the agenda, raises awareness for people. So I think that's one way. And I think because the world is changing slowly when it comes to this, I think it is up to each of us to do the work ourselves the, the people who are willing to do the groundbreaking work to make this normal. And yeah. it really just starts with d- like downloading a chart. There are so many free ones available on the internet or there's one in Wild Power if you have that. And just starting with, okay, where am I at? And then if you can find one person in your workplace who's interested, like you've had your sister-in-law. And having an ally like that is so huge, isn't it? Because just being able to have that shared language around what phase are you in, what day are you on, how are you feeling? it The part of us that can just feel like we're mad because the rest of the world isn't talking about this, it just gets a little bit of airtime to be like, okay, I'm not mad, this is real, this is really happening. (laughs) And you get a bit of a reality check. And it's just having one ally, ally, I think, in the workplace can be everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I I feel for me as well, there's something around that almost, um, not just a validation, but the non-judgment when someone understands the cycle work and the emotional side of it and the physical side of it, because I also have phases where I just totally drained of energy and all I want to do is kind of snuggle up and, and and I sleep so much more in certain phases. I, I, I'm like a bear. I'm literally, I can't, I can't get enough sleep. Um, and, I, and I always think, and I, every time I go through the phase, I, I will always think, this is really bad. Something's wrong with me. But then I have other phases where my energy is so high that I don't really need as much sleep. So I'll have a lot less sleep in certain phases than others. Um, and having that non-judgment, I think is really important when, you know, there've been times where maybe myself and my sister-in-law were going to meet up and do something. And I've said, do you know what? I'm, I'm not. Or, you know, in fact, there was one 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 um, situation where we, we had to be somewhere at the same time with the children. And I said to her, like, this is going to be tough for me today because I'm not I'm not in the right phase whatsoever. And just having like that ally to kind of help me through the day was so important to me to, to kind of get through the day. I was like, gosh, you know, if I hadn't had that shared language, I probably would have shown up 
in a, a different way. I probably would have rubbed people up the wrong way. I would have been, you know, really frustrated and irritable. And, and I, I yeah, so I think having that ally, I, yeah, second that from experience is just has been so important throughout the whole learning journey. Yeah, so true. I think what you're pointing to, Lizzie, is the, the de-shaming that menstrual cycle awareness brings. And it's so meaningful because as back to Brene, good old Brene, who we all lean on. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> you know, she's she's done so much powerful work to name how crippling shame is and how much mm-hmm. of us are just walking around inside these uh, layers of, of shame, especially at work. And I think we can feel quite far away from ourselves a lot of the time just because of the way our societies are set up and the beautiful thing about being close to our menstrual cycles is it's constantly calling us to be in relationship with ourselves and what we're actually experiencing what we're actually feeling and just amplifying that giving it some space and some time letting it be and in that way we get to be more fully ourselves all the time and I think this is where menstrual cycle awareness starts to segue with leadership development work because when you look out at the world today the quote-unquote leadership in the world is getting more and more chaotic isn't it there's and I think what we're seeing is a call for each of us to lead in our own ways in exactly where we're at sometimes that's quiet and intimate and personal sometimes it's big and and public but if we're all trying to lead in the same way in a kind of mono culture um, mono cropping way like a whole agricultural system is then it's not going to work it it takes each of us being our actual true honest authentic is a word that's thrown around a lot but our authentic selves to be able to lead in the ways that are most dynamic and creative and actually beneficial. And menstrual cycle awareness just keeps us plugged back into ourselves. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And then cultivates a capacity to turn towards ourselves. I want to think of an example. Um, Well, there's a big example for me, which is the, my menstrual cycle actually over the course of a couple of years, made me totally change career um, end a relationship that wasn't working for me and move continents it was profound and that experience has left a, a lasting memory of me in me of how much there's a kind of it is an intelligence in me that's my my best coach if I know how to listen to it so what was actually happening 10 years ago when this happened was in my premenstrual phase, my inner critic was so loud, like cripplingly loud. I was working as a filmmaker at the time. It was a very high stress work environment. Sometimes, sometimes it was very creative and fun, but there was always a lot going on, a lot of financial pressure. I was an independent film producer, you know, or just kind of hustle culture was like what we were doing. And My inner critic got really turned up every day, 23-ish, saying, um, you're in the wrong job, you're in the wrong relationship, you're in the wrong country, you need to move home. I was living in Seattle at the time. And 
it took me a long time to translate what was happening in, in me into that message, into those messages. What was actually happening is there's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. Now, you've messed up again. Like, this is like nonstop critic. But it was menstrual cycle awareness that helped me learn how to journal and be with that critical voice to hear what it was saying underneath, which is things need to change. And so over time, I did end that relationship. It was a brilliant relationship, but we should have just been best mates, you know, and creative collaborators. We shouldn't have got married. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> I'm sure some people will relate. So we, we parted really amicably. I did move back home to my home country, which is where I belonged. And I found this new career with Tree Sisters. And it was just, it was such a clear sense of right now I'm in the right, in the right place with the right people doing the right thing at the right time. And that alignment allowed me to be, yeah, to, to create a life that actually made sense for me instead of struggling against things that were hard all the time. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? No, it does. Yeah, no, it really is. It's when you, you, like you say when you use it as a coach and actually listen to it and and every season has those gifts I think is is what what comes through and and I feel like it you know I know you guys often say in the in the book as well it's almost like a mindfulness practice in in and of itself as well because becoming aware and and listening to what's coming through and what's coming up for you um, not just mentally, but also physically as well. You know, there's there's so many things that I now honour that previously I would have really been so self-critical or judgmental of myself. And now I, you know, I keep joking to people all the time, oh, I don't know, but find this book sooner because yeah. I, I feel it's such a deep place of self-acceptance that I've never felt in my life before. And I so wish I had this in my 20s rather than finding it now. I mean, I'm, I'm you know fortunate that I found it now and it's shaping my life and working the way it is but I just so wish that you know I mean I know you guys often talk about this more education around it in for younger women and and the fact that we're just we're not educated about any of this and and what it we're educated from a biological level from a very sex ed level of like this is what happens when it's all very kind of mechanical it doesn't go to that deeper level of what is actually happening when we're going through these phases um, and these seasons. So for me personally, it's just been, yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying, using it as that coach. And I know when I'm, I'm off kilter when I'm not listening. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've spoken a bit there as well, Sophie, about doing some of these kind of lunch and lunch and learns in companies. What other things could, businesses be doing or people in workplaces could they be doing to try and encourage these kind of conversations are there any kind of top tips you'd you'd recommend I guess it depends how bought in the leadership is with the topic um so if there is real interest I guess you could always just like place magazines, which are now talking about mental cycle when it's around the place. But if, if there is a real openness, I think, mm. um, let, well, let's start at the really positive end. Yeah. Choosing to have at least maybe one meeting a month where people are, al- are able to introduce themselves in a, at that level, in a, which, you know, it, it can be tricky because there'll be people who menstruate and people who don't in the space. Mm. 
and it has to feel safe for everybody. So, but that that is a place that we could get to where some meetings begin with, you know, a three-word check-in about how you are. And for people who have menstrual cycles, it could be, I'm on day seven of my cycle. That means I feel a bit tender today, but I've got quite a lot of energy. You know, that's fantastic. And then other people could check in in different ways. Um, there could be uh, listening partnerships set up in the workplace where this is a huge part of what we do at Red School. You have a person that you check in with for maybe five or ten minutes or longer if you want to every week. And that's your moment to really deeply check in with yourself as a cyclical being. And that's where it's that heartbeat of connection with the cycle that really helps to create the strong relationship. So that could be a really key practice. But I guess that that all needs to be started with some kind of workshop or training so that everyone can learn about the four phases of the cycle, how they show up for different people, how to practice menstrual cycle awareness, how to chart your cycle, which can just literally be getting a journal and writing day one and then three words about how you feel. Or Mm. you could look at it from a um, physical health perspective, like mental health perspective, um, sex, sexual energy perspective, um, how, how spiritual, if that's a, a language that you speak in, you could note dreams that you've had, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can track your cycle, but it can just start with a couple of words. That's what I did for about five years was just a word for each cycle day. And that's when I started to see the, the inner autumn practices. So that's kind of at the, at the like very mentally positive cultural end. I also think doing a wild power book club in a workplace could be really cool. Because yes, when you have the book, so cool. yeah, it's a thing, you know, this is yeah. a thing, people, there's a book about it, you know, it's like not this strange thing that you're talking about. So that could be a, a good portal as well. Um, but for places that aren't yet uh, menstrually and mes- menopause positive, I think just finding one ally, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. really devoting yourself to your practice so that you are building that sense of confidence and self-belief in what you're actually feeling to to counter all of the questioning that will come into you because of the the culture isn't yet that mentally savvy so devoting yourself to your own cycle awareness practice and then having one other person that you can talk about it with I think is where Mm. it begins yeah definitely they are some great great tips thank you so much Sophie so before I let you go I have a quick fire round if you're up for it Sophie yes please let's do it (laughs) just to keep things a bit interesting and I always like to um yeah get to know the guests a bit better I think this is a great way to do it as well so the first question I have for you is a song or playlist that makes you instantly feel good the song that I always listen to before I'm about to do something big is um Beyonce I am I was here oh so good but it's like yes I'm here I'm doing it yeah and there's another one by Pink um oh what's my other one what's it called um I can't remember now I'm gonna have to send you you after but there's a really great song by Pink that I've been loving at the moment two fierce ladies love that love that so much a book or podcast that changed your life Mm. the first book that comes to mind is if women rose rooted by Sharon Blackie, which is about the connection between women and the natural world. And as 
I consider myself to be an eco-feminist and it's kind of an eco-feminist bible so that's a brilliant one podcast I'm loving we can do hard things by Glennon Doyle oh yeah love that I read the book but I haven't tuned into her podcast yet love that and the next question is the best advice you've ever been given Mm. do you know I was thinking about this recently because I was talking to someone about my granny and this isn't really advice actually but it sits with me as kind of such a key moment in my life. So she died when I was 11. This isn't that quick fire. Can I tell you the story? Okay, yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> my wonderful Welsh granny Enid died when I was 11. And she's the person that's loved me the most in my, in my whole life. And I, there's this, my, probably my strongest memory of my childhood was I was probably four or five and she gave me a bath and she took me out of the bath and she took about 10 minutes to dry in between every one of my toes. <laughs> And the love and the care in that, it was it wasn't advice, but it's something that I took on as you know take take time to be with the small moments of love oh. in life. And now with my little boy, I when I can remember because boy to, to, uh, parenting a toddler is hard. When I remember, I have those little moments of of just being with oh. the, with the beauty, the, the small beautiful moments in life. Mm. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Yes. <laughs> oh. Gives me all the warm fuzzies. Love it. <laughs> what is one bucket list item that you are yet to tick off? Oh, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I have always, <laughs> since I was a child, wanted to see a blue whale. <laughs> so there's in Baja, California, in California, they come once a year. So it's my total dream. The Nature Conservancy does these trips. I want to go out on a boat and see a blue whale. I mean, that would be amazing. Maybe one day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Incredible. That sounds, I mean, that's definitely way above seeing the dolphins. <laughs> like, <woo. laughs> Next level. <laughs> Love it. Next level. <laughs> and the last one is, if you could make a placard for a public protest, what would it say on it? Such a good question. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, there's a lot of things you can say at the moment. But coming back to menstruality, it would probably say rest. Mm. It would probably say rest. Yeah. yeah, it's something we all need, and we all need to. T- we need we need support, and we need to change the systems of oppression that work in our world that stop certain people from being able to rest at all. And um, yes. yes, rest is an act of revolution. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I'm so with you on that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sophie, for sharing your time with me today. And for those of you interested in the work of Red School and and the work that Sophie's doing, um, all of the links will be in the show notes. So do go and check it out. And I do highly, highly recommend you grab yourself a copy of Wild Power as well. Um, So thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.